0: Welcome back to Horoscope Witch, it's Mal and happy birthday to all of my Aries peeps out there. Welcome to Aries season. Of course, this episode is going to be all about Aries and we're going to go over Aries natal placements. So if you have your sun, moon, rising, Venus, or Mars in Aries, I'm going to cover information on all of those placements. I'm also just going to talk more about the Aries archetype. What does it mean? Uh, Aries is sort of the beginning of the zodiacal year. So what does that mean for us transitioning from Pisces season into Aries season In my opinion, it's kind of a bittersweet transition because, you know, everybody, including myself at times, as a Pisces, I'm saying this, but including myself, everybody's sort of ready to get out of Pisces season because it can just be so emotionally raw and really emotionally deep. And beginning Aries season can feel like a fresh breath of air. At the same time, this specific Aries season and all the things that are happening in the planets right now, I have to say I don't think we can completely escape this emotional, deep emotional turmoil we may be still feeling. And before I jump in to the Aries archetype and all of that jazz, let's talk about this week's astrological weather And I kind of just want to put my two cents in about what we may be experiencing. So today is, what day is it? It is Tuesday, March 26th, 2019. So I'm kind of talking about the upcoming week. We actually have a lot of things shifting, but right now I think something that I'm feeling on a very personal level, and I think you may be feeling as well, especially if you find yourself feeling a little bit of anxiety or a lot of bit of anxiety lately. (laughs) Um, Maybe you're feeling a little down in the dumps, depressed, kind of like spring is never going to come. You may be really sort of focused on everything that's going wrong. Um, Maybe you're sort of unable to see... All of your accomplishments you've made so far in this year, and you're sort of focusing on little setbacks that, in the grand scheme of things, aren't that big of a deal, but maybe right now in the present moment, they feel like everything, and they feel so heavy. Well, if you do feel like any of those things, if you resonate with any of the things that I just said, I have some astrological explanations for you. (laughs) So... Uh, right now, and we've had we've been going through this transit for the last four, four or five days. Um, basically, Pisces. Uh, or sorry, Mercury retrograde in Pisces at sixteen degrees Pisces is lining up with Neptune that is also at sixteen degrees Pisces. So when a Mercury retrograde and Neptune are both conjunct in Pisces, what does this mean? Well, it means that. The meaning of the two planets, the planet of communication, the planet of uh, short-distance short travel, the planet of our minds, a.k.a. Mercury, being mixed in with Neptune, which is a beautiful planet of spiritual awakening. But, you know, what's the shadow side of Neptune? Neptune is also about self-deception. Transits like this can cause... Um, The anxiety, the depression, sort of talking ourselves into a really negative state of mind when in reality that may not be the case at all, but it is sort of like we are stuck in our mind's reality and we're unable to see the actual thing that's happening. That's very Neptunian. (laughs) So when we have this combo of this Neptune and Mercury conjunct in Pisces uh, going on, you know, last week and this week, you know, make sure you are taking care of yourself and make sure you're reminding yourself that these feelings won't last forever. Uh, I kind of even found myself even this morning kind of getting caught in like a really negative thought pattern and being like thinking that this anxiety uh, or this um, sort of confusion about the future and where I'm supposed to go, I kind of got caught up in feeling like it was going to last forever. But then I had to take a step back and I had to remember, wait a second, you know, Mercury and Neptune are conjunct. This is the sort of feeling of despair that we may, that may come up at this time. So on top of the Mercury and Neptune conjunction, another a conjunction that could be causing us a lot of anxiety is our Chiron and our sun in the same sign of Aries. Now they were perfectly conjunct at one degrees a couple days ago. As of today, Tuesday, March 26th, Chiron is at two degrees Aries and the sun is at five degrees Aries. So we're at a three degree orb. So it's not as powerful as it was a couple days ago, but it. We are still very much feeling this conjunction. Now, what does this bring up? This is almost even a deeper wound than the Pisces Neptune jazz going on. Because when the Sun and Chiron get together and they start mixing, well, that's going to bring up some like seriously old wounds and maybe childhood wounds, but I'm like talking like soul wounds, like things that you came here to do and to fix and to overcome. Uh, Chiron is sort of like the reason your soul chose to come here. I mean, along with your north node. But Chiron is also about your wounds that your soul is working to overcome. It's a lot about the karma we bring into this world when our souls choose to reincarnate into our bodies. So when the planet of soul wounds. Sorry, it's not a planet. Technically, it's an asteroid. But when the asteroid that represents our soul's wound, Chiron mixes in with the sun, which is the planet of our identity and our ego, when they get together and they try to like, have a drink together, it's just not going to go well. <laughs> and you know, Chiron's going to be very triggering right now to all of our identities. Uh, now, this is especially so if you do happen to have your Chiron in Aries or you are an Aries sun, but honestly, Chiron doesn't matter the sign it's in. It affects everyone. So no matter what uh, sign your Chiron is in, you're going to be affected by Chiron in Aries, especially right now when it's at such a a sensitive degree point of two degrees, right? When, when anything in the sky is at zero degrees, one degrees, two degrees, it's going to be extra, extra sensitive, it's just going to be extra, <laughs> extra energy there. So those are some things that could be causing us, again, anxiety, depression, despair, um, feeling like we can't overcome what's being served, to us but I want you to know that we can and a lot of the things we're feeling uh yeah I mean they're a little bit of out of our control but again we always have free will and we always can regain control of the mind's way of thinking so I hope even just this little tidbit of information will help us sort of put the reins on our thoughts, our spiraling thoughts that want to take us to the worst possible place in order to keep us safe. Uh, it's just, it's going to happen this week. <laughs> that kind of energy, it it is what it is. I have a feeling as, you know, Mercury gets out of retrograde and as um, Chiron and the sun, you know, separate a little bit more and get further away from each other. Some of this really heavy energy is just going to lift. Now, what else is happening on the brighter side? (laughs) um, Today, Venus is going to enter, it's going to change signs and Venus is going to go from Aquarius into Pisces. So for the next month or so, Venus will be in Pisces. Now, I really like Venus in Pisces, and Venus likes to be in Pisces. Uh, Venus is actually exalted in the sign of Pisces. Well, what does that mean in English? Uh, That means that uh, exalted is just a fancy word for saying that the planet enjoys the zodiac's energy. So if you think of Pisces, you know, dreamy, romantic, romantic. Um, A Pisces is looking for that soul love, um, that spiritual love. I hesitate to use the word soulmate because I think it's often misused or thought of not in a very productive way, in my opinion. So that's why I say spiritual love. Uh, But you may call that a soulmate. Um, But Venus in Pisces, we're more likely to sort of get into commitments. We're more likely to uh, have that sort of Hollywood or fairy tale romance. Now, tomorrow on the 27th, Venus will be, what are we doing? Oh, we're sextiling. Venus is gonna be sextiling Uranus and Taurus. So that's an especially good day to just like kind of recommit yourself to certain people. um, It's a good day to be just out and about doing you looking great. (laughs) Um, You know, it just might be the day you run into your soulmate on the street, right? (laughs) If that actually happens to you, DM me, because I think that's funny. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that, that Uranus energy, which is about surprise, and that Venus and Pisces energy, which is about romance and spirituality, them coming together in such a wonderful sex style, I mean, yeah, it's a really sexy, fun transit. So take advantage of that, especially in the midst of all this Mercury and retrograde BS. That's sort of something we can look forward to. If anything, just look, you know, look your best tomorrow. Uh, just do it for you. you. Do a little extra something to make yourself feel good about yourself. That's a really good thing to do on this transit. And honestly, that's something that's in our control that we can help um, sort of our anxiety. Uh, If we look good, we feel good, right? Uh, And I know that sounds cheesy and maybe a little bit superficial, but I think it's true. And, uh, you know, amidst all this anxiety and this depression and this sort of uncomfortability, uh, maybe the least we can do for ourselves is to sort of show up into the world looking our best, 'Cause at least then we can sort of fake it until we make it, right? <laughs> so again, Venus and Pisces, uh, there's a lot more energy again for that commitment. Because like I said, Venus has been in Aquarius for a little while now. That's not that's not a great energy for having those sort of sit-down talks. What where is this going? what are we calling ourselves? What's our label? (laughs) It's just not a great time to have those sort of serious conversations. So Venus and Pisces, a lot better time to sort of come together with someone and sort of, I don't know, admit your love to them or admit that you feel seriously about them and you want to take this a step further, okay? Um, And then, best of all, uh, Mercury retrograde is almost over. We've just got a couple more days. I believe it is March 28th when Mercury goes direct. Granted, we will be in the shadow of uh, Mercury retrograde for, I think, about a week after that. So hang tight, but know that this Mercury retrograde, which you know, has not been the easiest, especially in Pisces, you know, it's really been testing our limits. Uh, That's almost over. So that's kind of what I got for you guys today. Oh, and one more thing. We'll talk about this. Actually, we'll talk about the Aries new moon as we go on. So that Aries new moon is on April 5th, but I have a couple things that I want to say about Aries before we sort of set our intention for the Aries new moon um, just in about a week. So let's kind of jump into Aries. First, I'm going to get a sip of water here. Okay, so Aries. (laughs) I have to admit I feel so very distanced from the energy of Aries (laughs) just who I am and just because I'm such a watery water sign and like I have three I have my sun moon and rising in water signs so to even conceptualize Aries and how they go about this world (laughs) it's like very difficult for me and that's not to say that I'm throwing Aries shade at all because I'm not and I love you guys and in a sense I think especially us Pisces or um, even Taurus you know let's take the two signs that go before and after Aries so what do Pisces and Taurus have to learn from Aries, that is the art of getting out of the comfort zone. Aries have this like beautiful ability to really just get up and go and jump into things and not overthink uh, what they're about to do, which, you know, has its good sides and bad sides. But in reality, I think that's really the beauty of the Aries energy. It's that sort of wake up and go kind of energy, which Taurus and Pisces very much need. And that's what I like to say, like all zodiac signs are connected, right? We're never separate from any sign. Um, We either have things in common with a certain sign, or we have things to learn from another sign, okay? So there's always, always a connection between every single sign in the zodiac. doesn't matter that Aries is completely different from Pisces, we still have things to learn from each other. And I think that's what people really don't understand about the Zodiac. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, Aries, uh, it's the first sign of the Zodiac. And I was sort of thinking about how uh, certain times of the day or certain things we do during our day can represent uh, different parts of the Zodiac. And maybe in order to have a fully encompassed day of mind, body, and spirit, we can sort of live through the signs of the zodiac as parts of the day go on. Now you're like, Mal, what are you talking about? (laughs) Let me explain. I think waking up in the morning um, with integrity, uh, with excitement to get through the day and with sort of purpose, that could definitely represent Aries, right? Because Aries as the first sign of the Zodiac, uh, of course, we're going to be representing waking up, uh, doing things with purpose, having a purpose, having a goal to accomplish throughout the day. And, you know, after that, you know, we eat breakfast, maybe we take a shower. For me, that's very much Taurus, Right. We're taking care of ourselves, we're taking care of our physical body. Uh, We're also making sure we feel our best so we can accomplish these goals that we set at the beginning of the morning. Now, Gemini, the Gemini part of the day is probably still in the morning when we're sort of thinking more logically about what we have to accomplish and what we need to do in order to accomplish those things. Um, we might also be thinking beyond our physical goals, beyond just, okay, I got to go to work and I got to be here at this time. We could also be thinking about spiritual goals for the day, like, okay, I want to go to yoga or I want to meditate or tonight I really want to read that book or I really want to call that friend after work. Uh, That's very much the Gemini part of the day. (laughs) And, you know, there's always that moment, I think, before we leave for work, um, we may make our bed or we may sort of mother ourselves a bit, like uh, make our sacred space feel comfortable, water our plants, uh, maybe meal prep something for dinner. And that's very much the cancerian part of the day. That's when we sort of, quote unquote, be a mother to ourselves. And then, of course, we show up to work. Um, We show up to actually accomplishing the goals we had set earlier. And I think that's definitely the Leo part of our day, right? Right. Uh, the Virgo part of our day would actually be when we're putting these goals into action, and we're being of service to others, right? We're talking to our co workers, or we're thinking about um, what can we produce that would be of assistance or service to others. And of course, Anytime we communicate or talk or make a connection to anyone, especially our loved ones, that's sort of the Libra energy of the day. The Scorpio energy would be, you know, when we make money, when we're thinking about, you know, our budget, our finances. But it might also be when we sort of indulge in our carnal desires. (laughs) Um, And then the Sagittarius part of the day, I think is sort of like the moment when we leave work, Uh, we realize that we've clocked out. And uh, it's time to focus on us and our hobbies and our free time, and our self love and our self care. And I think a lot of people sort of skip that Sagittarius part of the day, right? Um, Capricorn might be when we sort of sit down at dinner, and we sort of feel accomplished for what we've done. We sort of look back and say, okay, I got this done. I got that done. Um, I'm ready for this week. I'm ready for this month. Uh, I feel like I've accomplished my goals for the day. And then, of course, we wind down. We get into bed. Maybe we pray or practice gratitude or read a interesting book communicate with the astral or the spiritual realm and I very much feel like that's the Aquarius part of the day and of course we fall asleep we're in dreamland we are very much in the Piscean energy right we're in the subconscious we're not even conscious of our thoughts and actions and we're very much working things out on an astral level in our dreams and then we start all over again when we wake up for the day and we're again at Aries. So that's kind of how I like to think of the signs during the day. Um, And I think it's really a powerful transition. Probably the most powerful transition of our day is when we uh, go from sleeping in our sleep state or our dream world, aka Pisces, and then we wake up. And once we wake up, we are suddenly sometimes very abruptly, thrown into our Aries part of the day, right? Because most of the time, the transition between that Pisces and Aries moment is an alarm clock. Um, If we're lucky, it's the sunrise. Either way, both things can be sort of jarring. If you've ever woken up uh, to like really bright sunlight, it might not be very comfortable at times. (laughs) And it especially sucks. I hate waking up with an alarm clock, which is why I'm currently manifesting a life in which I don't have to wake up with an alarm clock. Uh, I very much want my mornings to myself and I want to wake up like naturally. And that's sort of what I'm putting into the world right now. And it sounds kind of silly, but that's something that's really important to me. And that's not how I want to live my life in the sense I don't want to have to wake up every morning and have to be somewhere when the morning is my most important and spiritual time. Uh, and I think that's sort of like an Aries way of thinking in a way. Uh, and it's the same thing uh, when we're, uh, when our mothers were pregnant with us. So it, we can sort of think about the time of our pregnancy when we were in the womb. That's very much a Piscean time. But when we're actually, you know, our mothers gave birth to us and that moment of birth, that is Aries, Right. And that's sort of my topic for the theme of Aries. It's sort of like our day of birth. Uh, It isn't sort of, it very much is our day of birth. Um, If we think about everything that has to do with giving birth, it has to do also with who Aries is as a sign, right? First of all, they're the sign that rules like young children, right? So it explains why, why they're so energetic and spontaneous, and they're able to just do things for the fun of it. Of course, they would be able to do that because they're the sign that rules children. Um, But if we think about sort of the day we were born, that was the day, uh, the first day of um, sort of developing an identity. Now, stay with me here. So if we think about it, you know, the moment we're born, that indicates uh suddenly we have a birth chart (laughs) whether you you know you're into astrology or not uh you know the moment where you come into this world out of your mother's womb that's your birth chart and that's your karma and that's your life path now you of course have free will and of course you will um you know, you can either subconsciously or consciously live out your natal chart. It's sort of your choice. <laughs> so we have that energy going for us. And then we also, the other part of our identity, besides the way the stars have aligned when we're born, of course, it's more than that. Uh, but the other part of identi- our identity that's really important is our name. Uh, on the day of our birth, most of us receive a name. And I've talked about this before, about how, like, the story of our name has a lot of power. And that's something that I like to ask people. Uh, Like, what is the story of your name? How did your parents come to name you what they did? And a lot of people will say, oh, well, my grandpa was named whatever. Um, Or, oh, I was named after my grandma. Or my mom saw this name on the side of a building, and it just really spoke to her. Or, you know, everybody has a story behind their name. And uh, that actually, we don't realize that part of our, our identity is actually shaped by our name. And I very much believe that if we had a different name, we would have a different life. <laughs> and that's probably a really, I don't know, far out thing to say, but it's true. Like I think of um, you know, the story of my name, Mallory, which is kind of a really not a very common name. I've only met maybe a handful of other Mallory's in my life. Um and the two other names my parents had in mind for me were Madeline and Meredith and I feel like if my name right now was Madeline or Meredith I would be a completely different person (laughs) like can you guys seriously imagine me as either of those names because I really can't and you know as I got older We would do these, like, projects in school, like, researching our names and, like, seeing the really the meaning of our name. And, of course, like, people would be like, oh, you know, my name means, like, a gift of God or, oh, like, my name, it actually means, uh, like, mother's joy and love. And, of course, Mallory, Mallory actually means misfortunate and it it means (laughs) ill-fated. Uh it, it's weird that it translates to that but it does. It's not like a very good it's it doesn't carry a very good meaning. Now, I as an astrologer and as a tarot reader and as a psychic, I get such like a weird satisfaction out of my name meaning ill-fated. Uh because I think I know from like a psychic perspective or an astrologer's perspective that There's really no such thing as being lucky or unlucky or having good fate or bad fate. It's sort of like all about what we speak into existence. So I think like I could get stuck on me having, because I have this name that means misfortunate, I could get stuck on, you know, me being ill-fated or having bad luck or uh bo- being born into this world with like sort of a curse. <laughs> but I don't. And that's why I love my name. It's very much like a a reclamation of who my identity is and getting back to Aries, like I have to say like your name no matter what your name is, that's sort of very much connected to the Aries energy. It's about your identity, what is central to your identity, and how are you defining your name? How are you living your life through your name? Are you living up to the name that your parents gave you? Uh, Do you have a certain legacy that you have to carry on? Do you have legacies that you have to break? Uh, I think we all have a little bit of both, and I think that's why, you know, it's so cool to think of our day of birth and everything that has to do with our day of birth as that Aries energy, right? And that brings me to the Aries full moon on April 5th. So coming up next week, we have an Aries full moon, and have I, I've said this before, like, I don't necessarily always feel like new moons are strictly for planting seeds and full moons are strictly for bringing things to an ending or a culmination. Uh, Sometimes some moons feel like that, but oftentimes like some full moons I'll feel like planting seeds and some new moons I'll feel like I need to do cord cutting or whatever. It's really about what I feel intuitively. I don't really go by those strictive definitions. However, I will say that this Aries new moon, I do truly feel intuitively that it is about birthing something into existence, um, or at the very least planting seeds for a new project. Uh, but I kind of have a feeling that the things that we've wanted to do for a while, we've been in you know, we've marinated them. (laughs) It's sort of time to like, take that stuff out of the fridge and sort of put it on the grill and just cook it. And I think that's what this Aries new moon is inviting us to do. I think, like I said, it's a really good thing. It's a really good day to birth something into existence. So if you've been wanting to start a YouTube channel, start a podcast, Open an Etsy shop, <clears throat> cough, cough, me. Um, <laughs> uh, if you've been wanting to, you know, start an Instagram about veganism or recycling or whatever the heck you're into, uh, that this day, that April 5th, that's like such a beautiful day to actually start something. Like, that's why I'm kind of hesitating to say, okay, yeah, like, it's a good day to plant seeds. But it's more than that on that day. Like, I'm talking like, what have you already planted? Um, or what have you already been in? Uh, again, what has already been marinating? Because I bet it's sort of ready to go. And um, right now, we may still be in sort of some excuse, excuses kind of energy, like, oh, I can't do this because of that. Or I can't start this because I'm too busy. Or I can't do my YouTube channel because everybody's gonna think I'm bad at makeup or I can't you know start a podcast because I have nothing great to say or whatever it may be we may still be stuck in that kind of energy for the next couple of days but I think on April 5th we'll finally finally be ready to sort of get into that energy um, and really uh, start like I said, start cooking our food on that day. Now, I just want to tell you that you know, even if you feel like you're only, let's say, 75% prepared to do something new, it's enough, like, just do it. Um, you don't have to be 99 or 100% prepared to start something new, just start it and see how it goes and adjust accordingly. Because you're never going to be 100% ready to do something. And I would say even if the door is just a little bit cracked open, I think it's enough to sort of slide through the door. I'm saying this because right now, uh, like spirit is showing me a person like sliding through a cracked door. (laughs) So I think that's their way of saying like, the door doesn't have to be wide open. And oftentimes in life, our opportunities aren't like this wide open door with, you know, light, lights shining through it. And the angels are calling us to sort of take a step into the new passageway. And it's going to be so wonderful. Like, no, that's not... Uh, like 95% of the time, that's not how life works, right? Um, We have to actually be willing to sort of, you know, sneak through the crack, (laughs) Uh, start something, even if we're not 100% sure it's going to work out or if it's not, uh, or even if we're not sure it's going to come to fruition, we still just have to do it. So again, April fifth, Aries new moon, the energy is just do it. Uh, And I think what I'm going to start doing on my Instagram, I already did this for the Libra full moon last week. Uh, but on the day of a new moon and full moon, I'm going to always post it, an Instagram like TV video and I'm going to pull cards to see what else I can say about the energy. So if you're interested in more of that, what I have to say about the Aries new moon on April 5th, I will be posting a video. So just come on over and join me at my Instagram. So all my information, as always, is in the show notes. So that's what I got for the Aries energy. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about our Aries placements, but also the tarot cards associated with Aries. All right, guys, let's talk about Aries in the Zodiac a little bit more in depth so aries is a masculine cardinal fire sign uh and i know i don't i should make an episode to sort of talk about the differences between cardinal fixed and mutable signs i don't know how interested you guys are in um to learning more about that but like a cardinal sign like aries and the aries is the cardinal fire sign cancer is the cardinal water Libra is cardinal air and Capricorn Capricorn is cardinal earth. Now, what is the cardinal sign? Well, those are the signs that sort of shift the seasons. And cardinal signs, they are very intense energies because they're sort of the purest energy of each element, if that makes sense. So Aries is very much that purest fire energy. Um, It's that coming into spring, again, that rebirth, that day of birth, that new, fresh energy. That's why it's a cardinal sign. Now they say, I was kind of reading more into, you know, aspects in the birth chart. And I was reading that, cardinal aspects like if you especially have like an opposition between two cardinal signs or you have a t-square or anything of that sort that has a lot of cardinal energy they're actually more the more difficult uh energies to overcome because if you think about it the cardinal signs because they represent the transition of one season to the next they're very it's sort of like you're not arguing, you can't argue with the energy. <laughs> it's very much, okay, we were in winter, and now we're in spring, go. <laughs> uh, and that's sort of that Aries cardinal energy. Uh The part of the body that rules Aries is the head, which makes sense, uh, because they rule, you know, the way of thinking. Um, the, the head is also, most of the time, if you're You know, if you are a baby, who's like coming out of the mother's womb, uh, typically most of the time, right? The head is the thing that comes out first. (laughs) And sorry for that graphic image, but it's true. And that's sort of what I'm thinking of when I think of Aries and the connection to the head. Uh, Aries also are extremely smart people. They're sort of, they have that connection uh, for me to their fellow Fire sign Sagittarius because both those signs have a very student like energy about them. And it makes sense because Aries being the sign of like younger children they're here to learn. They're that kid that is like asking, but why, but why, but why, but why? (laughs) Uh, Like they just have endless curiosity and endless energy to learn new things. And that's sort of what is special about Aries. And of course they're ruled by the planet Mars, the planet of war and sex. And that brings me to the tarot. Now, I don't know why, but I always feel like the people who listen to this are mostly interested in the astrology aspect of what I'm saying. Uh, But for me, like the more and more I go on my journey of like spirituality and like being a psychic and being an intuitive or whatever, like I just really can't separate the tarot with astrology uh, because the tarot really does does represent like certain planets and certain zodiac signs and we can use the tarot to better our understanding of astrology. So I think you know this is my rebirth moment on (laughs) Horoscope Witch Podcast because I've talked about tarot before but I don't think I've gone quite in depth um, about certain cards because I feel like maybe the people who are listening to this, not everybody may read tarot, or not everybody is interested in the topic, whereas maybe you're just listening to this because of the astrological topics. But I think it's something I'm going to dive into more, uh, just because I am a professional tarot reader, and I do want this podcast to be a good mix of astrology and tarot, and I think most of you do enjoy that mix. And for those of you who feel like you uh, don't wouldn't be interested in tarot, or you don't understand tarot, or don't read tarot, like I always say, like it doesn't matter if you don't understand the card, um, but I, I'm pretty sure that anything that I have to say about the card, you may relate to in some way. So don't sweat it. Of course... I'll understand if you want to sort of fast forward through the tarot section of each episode, <laughs> um, but yeah, but this is sort of I think makes me happier to go more in depth with the cards specifically. So the cards that are associated with Aries in the tarot are the Emperor um, and also the Tower. So I think uh, for the to explain what the emperor means to me, I sort of have to kind of get into some, a little bit of personal stuff, so I hope you guys don't mind. Um, here's the thing. Every month, I do a monthly tarot spread, and if you want to do it, I think I posted it on Instagram, but if you don't follow me on Instagram, and you you want a really good monthly tarot spread I found this one on Pinterest, I don't remember who made it, I'm sorry, Um, but it's a really good monthly spread, Um, and it's only eight cards, and basically there's, you pull one card for the main energy, one card for the energy that's leaving, another for the energy that's staying, another for the energy that's entering, and then you have a one card pull for your love, one card, or your love life, one card for career, one card for the self and then of course your last card is your advice for the month so the reason I say that is because during my monthly poll for April I polled the emperor for my love life (laughs) and you know that was like perfect right because I'm sitting here needing to explain like the stereotype of the emperor card and what it actually means to me. And for the emperor card to show up in the position of my love life, I think it was like perfect. Because in like a traditional tarot interpretation, some people may think that the emperor sort of means like, you know, coming into the position of my love life, maybe someone might interpret that as oh you you know have a dark handsome stranger coming into your life (laughs) or it could be like wow like you really have a manly man quote unquote you know coming for you and um he's gonna be really aggressive and you know like a dude bro and you know it's just like that's the stereotype of the emperor he's like a dude bro (laughs) uh but I don't it, you know, like I said, like that's sort of the stereotypical way that I could have interpreted that specific pull for my love life, but I don't really see the emperor card like that. Now, I have to say though, and I'm saying this for anybody who is a tarot reader or uh, maybe anybody who's developing mediumship skills, I think I mentioned that that's something that I'm starting to develop and I'm starting to work on and i I have been in readings in the past couple, in the past month or so with clients where a male who have, who's, who has passed on from the other side is trying to come through to me and the Emperor card will fall out. Um, even more specifically, like I was in a reading just a couple of days ago and I felt like, you know, mediumship was, the reading was going to transition into mediumship. I felt sort of a more male presence, um, wanting to come through. The emperor card falls out and I asked, you know, the person I was reading for, I asked them, you know, did your dad pass away and was your dad in the military? (laughs) And, uh, this person goes, oh yeah, actually, yeah, my dad was actually a cop And he did pass away. So that was that emperor card in that very specific instance did happen to represent a male who was in a position of authority who had passed on. And that's where I think tarot, for me, it's becoming very apparent that in a mediumship reading, tarot becomes so literal Like, uh, like, because my guides are just trying to give me any literal message to relay to the client so I don't, like, get confused or, like, I know who I'm talking to or I know who I'm channeling. Whereas when I'm just reading for myself or I'm in a tarot reading and it's strictly tarot, I'm not feeling any mediumship coming through, that sort of brings me to the emperor card as how I truly feel about it, which is more about conquering space. Uh, And it's about feeling like you have permission to sort of take over a territory per se. Now, I'm not talking about like conquering a country or colonizing a group of people. I'm talking about conquering an area of your life that you may have previously not taken much responsibility for and that brings me to why the emperor card would come up in the position that has to do with my love life (laughs) because you know being my pisces self you guys are like oh my god shut up mal like how many times can she say she's a pisces in one episode we're gonna turn this into a drinking game but uh like being a pisces like especially in my love life like I just can't help but be like the most passive person on the planet like I've never ever 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 made the first move on anybody and you know I do not want to initiate anything even if I really really like that person I just can't and that just happens to be I think like that Piscean energy of me, like, I don't want to initiate anything, and ding, 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 that's what I have to learn from Aries energy, and ding, 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 that's why the Emperor card would come up in the area of my love life, you know, I'm very much in a time, especially in my romantic life, where I'm trying to shift how I'm going about things, I'm trying to shift the type of people I'm attracting, and Um, I'm realizing that if I really want to see change in the way my love life typically goes, I need to take more responsibility and God forbid, maybe I need to actually pursue someone and not wait, just wait to be pursued. Right. And that was very much what the emperor card was telling me to do. It was sort of like, you know, this month in April, you need to work on, conquering that territory that you've recently been very afraid to conquer or even felt as though you were unable to conquer that challenge or overcome that challenge. Also, the emperor card very much reminds me of like one of my favorite sayings that I sort of live by and it's a saying that um sort of destroy what destroys you. And that's the emperor card to me. Like, it's very much when I'm afraid of something, I think of that phrase, destroy what destroys you. And if a fear or an anxiety is holding me back from growth or being on my highest path, I need to destroy that fear, right? Because that fear, if it gains control over me, it can, you know, result in a lot of stagnation and it could you know result in me being stuck in my comfort zone and I don't want to be that kind of person. However, you know, I think the emperor card it has a talent to come up in situations that you're like really afraid to do it, right? And again, that brings me back to that Aries energy. What are Aries really good at? They're so good at taking those risks and just doing and not thinking. And that can come really in handy, especially in love. (laughs) And that's something that I need to learn from Aries, right? Uh, That's something that I need to get better at. I need to get better at sort of claiming and conquering my space in my love life and taking more control. Uh, And I think, you know, it's not going to be easy, (laughs) but I think what I'm realizing with the Emperor card is that, you know, if I'm unwilling to be sort of an active participant in my love life and I'm unwilling to pursue anybody and I have to always put my myself in the position of sort of waiting around for someone to pursue me well, then I actually don't give myself a whole lot of control in my love life because then my options are limited. Then I'm only picking and choosing from people who are pursuing me. I'd probably have a lot more options if I were more willing to be someone who pursues another person. (laughs) And yeah, I guess this is sort of, you know, it is what it is. And maybe it does actually relate back to um, traditional gender norms. Like we've taught women um, that, you know, I think we're kind of past this, hopefully as a society, but like there was a long time where I think it was considered inappropriate for a woman to pursue someone else, or that was sort of quote unquote, the man's job. So the it was the man's job to ask someone out on a date or pay for dinner or, you know, get a drink. And I think when women, whether they're trying to date other women, uh other men, no matter your, you know, how you identify, it doesn't matter. I think we're still very much sort of plagued by that, uh God, that societal norm that just tells us that women can't you know, make the first move and it's really hard to fight that. <laughs> and maybe you're like on the other side of this and you're like an Aries or like some other fire sign and you're like, yeah, I don't have that problem. <laughs> maybe it's just a me thing, but that's sort of my personal thoughts about the emperor card. Again, like I don't think it's like that dude bro energy. I don't think it's that um that dark handsome aggressive, quote-unquote, manly man energy. I don't really think it has to be gendered. Um, You know, sometimes that card is gendered for me, but like I said, that's in very specific contexts when I'm divinating from a different perspective. If I'm divinating sort of a mediumship reading, then I'm going to look at the Emperor card a lot differently then if I'm just in a tarot reading and I'm focusing on personal transformation, then the emperor card completely loses any gender it had, and it just becomes more about claiming a space, right? Uh, and conquering fears, destroying things that destroy you. Um, and that can be scary, right? Sometimes the emperor card can be just as scary as the tower card. Which brings me to, um, you know, what is the Tower card? It has to do with Aries uh, because the Tower card in the Tarot is ruled by Mars, and Mars, like I said, is the ruler of Aries. So, you know, let me explain a little bit about my personal... Uh, well, actually, first, let me say that the Tower card, uh, something that I struggled with when I first started reading Tarot was sort of like, telling the difference between the tower card and the death card because both represented to me like a very intense change in someone's life. Uh, but I think what explained the the difference between the tower and the death card to me uh, was my favorite tarot guidebook, which is, you know, The Secrets of the Rider-Waite-Smith um, by Katz and Goodwin, uh, but in that book, they have this sort of thing where they say the death card is sort of a gradual change, it's something that you felt coming, the death card is sort of like you hating your job for, like, a good six months straight, and then finally quitting, like, that's something that has been a very much, like, a process, uh, like the death card typically isn't sudden, whereas the tower card, it very much can be sort of a sudden shock to the system. Uh, The the tower card can actually sort of represent, I think, physical death, like someone dying, uh, sometimes even more than the actual death card, uh, because a lot of the times people will pass in their lives, and it's unexpected. And I would say that would be more of a representation of what the tower card means. Now, this isn't to say that, you know, if I'm doing a daily poll uh, and one day I pull the tower card, that's not to say that I'm going to go throughout my day feeling like something bad is gonna happen to me because that's not tarot's purpose, okay? Tarot's purpose really isn't always to predict the future. Of course I've been given warnings by Tarot before, but if we're getting the tower card just in our, you know, daily poll, it's probably a very it's probably just an invitation to examine Any part of our foundation that may be off or may be rocky. Because ultimately, that's why the Tower card happens uh, so abruptly. Sometimes we're just very unwilling to look at ourselves and we're very unwilling to acknowledge that something may not be working. It's sort of like the disconnection between the ego and the soul. Because the ego wants to keep us safe and wants to keep us productive and wants to keep us on track with the status quo. And our soul can like kick and scream. Um, but the ego also has power to ignore that. Now, ultimately, I believe the soul is always going to win. And the soul is probably going to give us a kick in the pants in the form of a tower card moment to get us on our true path. Uh, but again, it's not something we need to be afraid of, although it can be a very unexpected sort of energy. Now my personal um my personal experience with the Tower card kind of in a way makes me smile. Uh and I think the Tower card really happened a lot for me last year uh when it was sort of like, you know, my first onset of spiritual awakening. <laughs> and you guys know that I'm like please know that I'm rolling my eyes at myself as I call you know, my experience is spiritual awakening, but uh, because it sounds so like cringy, but I can't think of a better way to say it because that's just kind of how I felt or like uh, another way of saying it would be like a dark night of the soul. Like I very much feel like for me, the tower comes up when I'm on a path of spiritual awakening. And you know, the spiritual, the path of spiritual awakening and sort of Realizing that you do have intuitive powers, or that you are a psychic, or that you are, um, I don't know, a healer, an empath, any of those things, that can be very anxiety inducing and (laughs) uh, like very uncomfortable. And ultimately, I wouldn't describe the Tower card for me as scary as much as it is very uncomfortable. But can I tell you something, guys? I'm at the point in my life where I realize that, you know, there's been a lot of times when I was younger where I could have embraced the tower card, if that makes sense. This is even before I read tarot, though. Like, I'm just kind of making this into a metaphor. But there have been times in my life where I could have embrace the tower card and sort of had my spiritual awakening earlier, but I didn't. Um, And that's because, you know, I think I was really, you know, in a state of avoidance. And that's also something to talk about. Uh, You know, the tower card, you it's possible to avoid it. Um, Like something really bad can happen and something can try to shift you out of um a current situation and put you on a better path but you could still very much resist that you could still very much like be stubborn and you know put your feet in the mud and say nope even though this happened uh I'm still not doing it it's too scary I'm going back to what I know um that can happen and I think it has um what am I how do I want to say this uh like, I think it proves that the human will is always stronger than astrology or is always stronger than tarot cards. That's the thing. Like, uh, you can fight an uphill battle, just, you know, going, going, going against your soul's path. And you can do that your whole life. And. You're not necessarily going with the flow. You're not fulfilling your path. You're not, you know, on your highest path, like aligned with your astrology or your natal chart, or your tarot cards or anything, but that's okay. I mean, you can do that. You can do that totally. Like that's within the human willpower. The human willpower is always more powerful than anything. Uh, but here's the thing. It's a lot easier to just embrace the tower card, guys. Take it from me. Um, Because I think the anxiety and depression that come along with avoiding the tower card, uh, they're far worse than actually just surrendering to the tower card and being uncomfortable. Because really, that's sort of the, like I said, that's the worst energy that really comes from the tower card ultimately. It's just being fucking uncomfortable. Like, for instance, right now, I mean, I haven't necessarily pulled the tower card in a while, but I do feel very uncomfortable (laughs) in my life. (laughs) And, you know, this feeling of uncomfortability, I I think it is, you know, it's even though it's uncomfortable, obviously, it's kind of better than... Avoiding my path and being depressed and being anxious and doing the things that I know aren't necessarily right for me, but doing them anyways just to please others. That sounds like a far worse state of hell than just being uncomfortable. (laughs) And I think that really has to do with, you know, Tower card, Mars, Aries. It's sort of about embracing and surrendering. And also going to war for what you want and be being willing to be uncomfortable. So that's all I got to say about the tarot cards. Whew, sorry, I went on for too long about that, but you guys know me. And I hope, you know, you got a little something out of that, especially if you are learning tarot. Um, and again, the tarot, it's so personal personal. <laughs> and you have to live through each card to really know it. Um, even though I can share my sort of experience with like cards like the tower and the emperor, uh, you need to live through the cards and see what they mean to you because their meaning is going to have something different uh, for you than it is for me, although we could very well have very similar definitions. So finally, we are at our time. It's all about you now, Aries, I promise. So now we're going to uh, sort of switch gears and go into what does it mean to have an Aries sun, and Aries rising, so on and so forth. Uh, if you are an Aries sun, you may resonate with the things that I'm saying for the rising, the Mercury, the Venus, the Mars, and the Moon. Uh, so stay tuned. And also vice versa. If you have an Aries moon, you may resonate with the things that I'm saying about Aries sun or Aries mercury or whatnot. So let's see what we've got here. Okay, I'm going to take another drink of water. Gosh, this Aries energy is having me feel like I'm like running a race. (laughs) Okay, so if you have an Aries sun... Your uh, placement in the tarot is actually represented by the Three of Wands. The Three of Wands is the Sun in Aries. And I think that sort of is such a great visual for what it means to have your Sun in Aries. These kind of people, you know, they wait for no one, they're impulsive, and they're ready to take that gamble. And I think that has a lot to do with the Three of Wands. It's about being willing to take the gamble. I always say, like, I think the Three of Wands is sort of like the human version of the fool, which is more of our soul, um, our soul energy of, you know, walking off the cliff and going on our divine path. The Three of Wands is actually that full energy, but more dialed down in the human realm, right? So again, both Aries Sun and the Three of Wands, you know, those energies, they're always ready to take a risk, take a gamble. And that's what I love about them. You have to love a person who is willing to take a risk. And that's something that we should all sort of learn from Aries and learn that sometimes opportunity costs of not taking the risk is greater than actually taking the risk. And Aries sort of have this innate understanding of that concept, although it could confuse some other people. <laughs> um, Aries also have the tendency to go after sort of the ch- cheap thrills of life. <laughs> they they might just kind of be seekers of fun, seekers of adventure, uh, And here's where they have to be careful. Because they have this like beautiful, undisciplined spontaneity about them, they may find themselves sort of saying yes, 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 yes to a lot of different things that they want to do. But then at the end of the day, they don't have enough energy to actually do the thing that they really are actually passionate about. So for Aries, I think the challenge is sort of dialing back that yes, 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 sort of attitude and making sure you do have enough time for your actual passion and accomplishing what you need to do. Uh, Aries, you know, to an extent, they do need to learn discipline. Uh, they need to sort of balance their need for spontaneous, a spontaneous lifestyle versus the need to be productive. Now, because these people are ruled by Mars, they do have a ton of energy that allows them to be productive. They just have to learn to harness it. (laughs) That's the challenge, right? Now, some people might uh, interpret their spontaneity as selfishness. Uh, There might be a sort of sense about an Aries that they just don't think before they do, uh, or they just don't take me into account when they make a decision. Uh, And I think we have to remember that, again, Aries don't think before they do a lot of the times. Um, But in doing that, I don't think they have the intention to hurt others. It's more just about having to live this sort of YOLO, free love <laughs> kind of lifestyle um, and unfortunately that might lead them into trouble especially if they're um, socializing or dating or having sort of romantic relationship with someone who has a lot of values surrounding like let's think, let's plan, let's schedule Let's commit to each other. Uh, That can sometimes be a problem for Aries' son. As my astrology teacher would say, um, he says that Aries are like the least likely to get married (laughs) out of all the zodiac. And I wouldn't necessarily like 100% agree with that because of course there are some Aries who are in, you know, marriages and are completely happy or whatnot. But I do feel like Aries people, out of, you know, all of the zodiac signs, they may be the type of person who has, like, the most qualms about romantic commitment. Um, Maybe, especially in their early life, they may have trouble uh, keeping their word uh, in regards to a romantic relationship. Aries may also be better suited for more of a ethical non-monogamous relationship as well. Uh, Because they have trouble sort of zooming their energy on just one person or one opportunity, they want to say yes to everything, that sort of lifestyle could be, uh, it it could suit a certain type of Aries, right? But at the same time, I think to be in a successful non-monogamous relationship, there has to be like an immense amount of commitment to you know your primary partner or there still has to be a really a good a good amount of trust and of reliability so I think Aries may feel like at sometimes oh like that polyamorous lifestyle that sounds amazing like I don't have to like you know commit myself to anybody and I can just you know spend time with whoever I want, but they may actually find like, wait a second, an ethical non-monogamous relationship can just can be just as challenging for me as a monogamous relationship. And that's something that an Aries sort of has to balance, right? What is really right for them? Uh, What what will actually make them happy in the long run? Now, Aries son, they're so adventurous. They have this adventurous, childlike spirit. They also being ruled by the head. They're very intelligent people. Uh they're very smart. Um and they also do like to take control of certain situations. <laughs> uh like they're not quite that anal retentive. Uh, I hesitate to say control freak energy of the Virgo, um, but they still do have that sort of, I want to be the boss, I want to take control of the project, of the situation, of the group of people attitude. So a lot of people will look to them as the natural leader. Now, if you have an Aries rising, Some people may view you as sort of the class clown. You may enjoy making people laugh. And you like to get a reaction out of people. Uh, People do notice you. And you kind of like that. You know, you like to be the center of attention. And you like to be center stage. And you're also not shy about claiming who you are. Uh, People like you... Uh, Or people like you because, you know, you're always down for a fun time, a fun adventure. Uh, But you may also trigger people, right? Especially those people who are afraid to take risks and afraid to get out of their comfort zone. So you may find that a lot of people who are around you, they may, you know, turn up their nose at you or not want to hang out with you. Uh, There might also be a shadow side with Aries Rising, with sort of being obnoxious or being overly competitive or just being like too much or too crazy for just some personalities. Some people just can't handle all the energy you have. Um, If you have an Aries moon, so there is like an intense need to work on your emotional life uh, through the physical. So I would say that it's really apparent if you have an Aries moon, I would say you should or you may want to consider a sort of therapeutic physical activity that you can use to also work out some tough emotions. So yoga, boxing, actually, the term like kinesthetic learner comes to mind. I don't know if you guys ever got like a learning test in school or if you know what kind of learner you are like I'm a visual learner there's also people who learn by hearing I think it's called an audio learner I forget gosh this is like the teacher in me I like like to analyze like what kind of learners my students are so I can like you know individualize their their less my lesson plan to them (laughs) um but anyways with like uh, aries moon people might be more kinesthetic learners so they learn by doing um same goes with their emotions they they get out their emotions and they deal with their emotions through like i said physical activity so if you are going through a really depressing time or you feel like you have a lot of anger as an Aries moon or you feel like you have just some issues to work through and you're just sitting on your couch and you're not doing anything, take a walk. Um, Make sure you're joining a gym or even consider having a personal trainer. At the same time, know that exercise isn't enough. It sort of can be like almost like your medication uh, to get through the day-to-day emotions But you also don't want to create a situation where you are completely unwilling to talk about anything that makes you mad or upset and you just sort of, you know, blow up and then go to the gym and run like 10 miles and sweat it all off and that's the end of it. And you never actually talk about your emotions, right? That's also something that we need to work on as an Aries moon. Uh, you may also you know with that mixture of the Aries the Mars energy with the moon which is our emotions there could be a lot of um, built-up anger and aggression so making sure we have like correct anger management skills in order to go forth uh, and have productive conversations especially if someone is particularly particularly challenging to us so if you have an aries mercury uh you know you're a very assertive person your words have a lot of intelligence behind them Uh, you enjoy studying and you enjoy sort of communicating from a place of intellectual expansion you also can be, with your words, explosive and abrupt at times. You may say things that are just a little too raw for certain people to hear or handle. <laughs> uh, some people may be put off by your blunt honesty and some people may just feel like you, the way you communicate is just too abrasive. <laughs> um, also, if you're an Aries Mercury, I would say something to be wary of is the way you raise your voice <laughs> especially you know when you're communicating your emotions with an Aries person or with someone who with a lot of Aries energy there's always gonna be that um, that challenge with anger management this isn't to brand Aries as these sort of you know really angry abusive uh, people but you know because you're ruled by Mars, of course, there's going to be that natural aggressiveness to you. It doesn't matter what placement you have. uh, It's going to show up somehow when you are ruled by this Martian energy. So it's about learning to work with it and not letting it rule you. (laughs) Uh, And then that brings me to Aries-Venus, which I was looking, it's actually represented by the four of wands in the tarot, which is also another one of my favorite cards. And I would say an Aries Venus, gosh, maybe I need a date in Aries Venus because um, <laughs> I wouldn't have to make the first move with them, right? <laughs> They're the type of people who, you know, are definitely, you know, ready to make the first move. They don't have an issue like going up to someone in a bar and just striking up a conversation. Uh, They're willing to take risks in love. And there is a strong emphasis on sex. I would say if you do, I mean, for everybody, I mean, that's a really generalized statement, but especially for an Aries Venus, I would say the emphasis is on sex as a way to show your love Um, So that's something that is good, but also needing to work on the fact that there may be other ways that your partner needs you to show your love other than having hot sex every night. Like maybe there's something with an Aries Venus that you can provide your partner with that physical affection, but maybe they're saying, no, like I actually need time spent or I need... Um, words of affirmation from you, that could be a struggle for you because you very much are sort of emotionally fulfilled on a romantic level by your sexual desires. And you feel like when you have, you know, intimacy with your partner, you kind of feel like, okay, yeah, like... um as Vicky would say from uh, *Real Housewives of Orange County*, you're kind of like, "Oh yeah, my my love tank is all filled." Like once you have that intimacy with your partner, you're like, "All right, I'm good, I'm good." Like we had that connection, uh, but know that you know your partner may not feel the same way, and it's sort of about having that balance. Like maybe it's not all about sex all the time, and also know that. Uh, You know, having a fight or having a um, argument with your partner, it's like there's other ways to go around it besides you know working its way out in the bedroom right (laughs) you may have the tendency to get in a fight with someone and then sort of have hot makeup sex with them and then never talk about the fight again (laughs) and again that's something we need to work on it may not be the most productive and that goes for both aries venus and aries mars right now for the aries mars everything that i just said about sex applies um, Aries Mars in the tarot is represented by two of wands. And the two of wands is very much like the seedlings of a new beginning or the seedling of a new idea. And it's sort of about turning our ideas, our ideas into actions. Um, if you have an Aries Mars, that's sort of your talent, you do sort of know how to go about this world, take these amazing ideas and turn them into real material things that manifest in the material realm. If you are an Aries Mars, you may be unnecessarily competitive at every turn of events. (laughs) I'm just kidding guys, but not really. Like actually you may just be, have this sort of competitive nature about you that just never goes away. And that's okay i think just realize that some other people aren't as competitive as you and don't care as much about winning as it matters to you um there may also be a lack of patience When it comes to having an Aries Mars, uh, there's an intense hatred of being bored. Like, being bored is your worst nightmare. Uh, Like, it it just is like hell for you. Like, you always have to have something to do. Um, You always have to have plans. And you want to be able to just go, go, go from one social event to another. To another. Um, Also, be careful if you have an Aries Mars, uh, because you're particularly accident prone. (laughs) And this may be going along with the sense that, you know, Aries may do before they think. Uh, They may have that childlike um, energy that makes them just get up and jump and go. And that can sort of lead to accidents or not thinking things through fully. Um, But I think that's all I have to say about the Aries placements today. And thank you guys so much for listening. As always, all of my info, like my Instagram, my Twitter, uh, my blog is in the show notes. I actually, uh, on my blog, I have a new blog post for the tarot scopes for Aries season according to your sign. So go read my blog and see what's up with your signs specifically during this Aries season. Um, If you ever wanted to work with me uh, and get a tarot card reading with me, I have an Etsy shop that is now up and running. I won't say too much about that, uh, but that is also in the show notes. If you ever wanted to check that out, I would be So amazingly excited to work with any Horoscope Witch listener. So just hit me up. Feel free to ask me any questions about that. um, Whether on a DM on Instagram or in an email. Um, Just let me know. So thank you guys so much. Uh, And this month we'll be finishing Women Who Run With The Wolves. And I'm also going to do an episode about ethics. Ethics. As a reader, healer, psychic, intuitive, um, I'm just going to talk about ethics of as a healer. And I think there's maybe some people out there who are listening to this that also are practitioners or healers or tarot readers or whatever you may be. And I kind of want to have a discussion about ethics and what I've learned just in the short time of being a professional reader so far. So that's kind of what's on the menu this April and hang in there, guys. Mercury is almost direct. <laughs> I'll see you guys next time. Bye bye.